I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, a Fenway home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. Make a smile November until opening day. Suffering baseball withdrawal around the clock. When April comes, hey, meet me down on your way. That's when Red Sox Nation just rock. I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball as well as MLB-wide hot stove for everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope. As always, the podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and literally wherever you can find it on Google. We are available basically everywhere. So um, whatever app you like to listen to your podcasts on, plus up. And uh, if you want to do us a huge favor, give us a, uh, you know, a, a rating and a review. And uh, that drastically improves our visibility. I am Terry Cushman and am joined as always by Jeremy Schilling and tonight uh, Chris Saunders. How are you gentlemen? Good there. Good, good. I, uh, as we were saying just literally about 30 seconds ago, I, uh, I feel a little bit rusty. It's probably the longest I've gone without doing one and uh, I think it's been about three weeks we were set to do one, and then I started to feel under the weather. And uh, Jeremy, I I know you had some issues with that, uh, you know, between then and now. And have you caught the bug yet, Chris? Have you barfed your brains uh, out? Knock on wood, I haven't. But I've been trying to take care of myself, you know, making sure I get proper rest, you know, eat healthy, and you know, just try to do everything I can. Because if my voice goes, so does everything else. Because I broadcast a lot, especially now. That would be a problem, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. It doesn't sound very good if your voice is uh, shot. I can tell you that much. Right. Absolutely. What if you had one of those, like, voice things for your neck, you know? I don't, you know, you know I would yeah, never mind. Stephen Hawking here? What's that? <laughs> I, Are you trying to send Chris into the Stephen Hawking mode, for Christ's sake? Well, I just, you know. <laughs> Jesus, Terry. I mean, I know you're rusty, but I, I mean, come on. I I did kind of you know it, the it happened late and I just realized I shouldn't be saying that because I'm going to offend some people but because uh, I try not to do you know I might be like the Yankees suck and you know and then people get offended or I might say some mean shit about Pedroia or Price you know and uh, that's fine but I I don't want to make fun of people's disability I probably have a mental disability anyway so uh, anyway. Um, so thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, Christmas is out of the way. We're now in the same calendar year as the next season. So, um, so you know, I think things are, you know, inching closer to opening day. 
Still do not have the big two free agents signed. And um, Manny Machado is, is the big one getting kicked around right now. Chris, let's start with you since your team's more uh, directly connected to him. If you had to put a percentage on it, what are the chances he ends up in New York? I mean, right now, from what I've seen between New Year's Eve with him following and then unfollowing, you know, Twitter accounts and players and such and just all the drama that's gone into it, I mean, I think it's definitely over 50%. I've seen tweets from people saying he's definitely going to be a Yankee. And I've seen other writers say he's definitely going to be a Philly. I mean, in all honesty, I don't think anybody really knows until actually he signs and then you can go from there. But I would say the percentage is probably above 50. If I had to put a number on it exactly, I'll say it's around 65 to 70. Wow, pretty wow. confident. And Jeremy is uh, about 99%, if I'm uh, not mistaken. <laughs> Hey, uh, Terry, don't put words in my mouth, please. <laughs> okay. I w- it, was, um, it was an educated I'm at, guess. I'm at, I'm at 100%. <laughs> it is a certainty. Okay. All it right. will happen. And if any of you clowns that think that it's not going to happen are out of your goddamn mind. All right. Well, I'm not against it happening. Um, I think it would be great for the rivalry, as I'm sure you guys would agree. And... Um, I just feel like adding that salary, you know, being a, a Yankee hater, it just kind of complicates things, you know, maybe not immediately for the Yankees, but in the coming years, depending on how that contract is structured. But I'm not sold on it. You know, at this point, I'm just not. And Chris, am I correct that the Yankees have kind of gone on record saying they will not go more than eight years, and they will not exceed 300,000. Uh, 300,000, 300 million. Excuse me. <laughs> There's the rest. Yeah, no, they... <laughs> no, the Yankees have said multiple times they will not surpass 300 million, and they won't go beyond eight, nine years. So, And I think the Yankees will stand by that. And I know the Yankees in the past, you could say, are maybe, you know, maybe in a certain way, uh, trying to you know pull the pull the rug from under us, but as you've seen with Cashman many times, he's shown that he will stick by not going past a certain amount of years and dollars because he sees a bigger picture with the team, and that's why I feel like in certain aspects, if he's going to sign with the Yankees, I don't know if this will happen, but I said this last week when I was on the radio up in Torrington that if he was to sign a five-year, two hundred million dollar contract with a couple opt-outs in between, it's a win for both sides. The Yankees will get a guy for at least a couple years and give them premier third base and then worry about Andujar and then eventually maybe move him back, depending on what happens with Machado. And then he has opt-outs where if Machado wants to opt out and try to get more money, he could very well surpass $300 million, either in the duration of that first contract or opting out and then get trying to get more. So it, it's just a matter of does he want to take the risk and gamble on himself or does he want the sure thing and get the money? Because you know the Phillies will offer $300 million. So if he signs with New York, he's going to be taking less money. Yeah, and his agent is Dan Lozano. Some notable clients of his, Albert Pujols, Joey Votto, uh, Mike Piazza was one of his earlier, bigger clients in the late 90s, early 2000s. 
And uh, but with Pujols and uh, Votto, those are two of the biggest contracts in the history of Major League Baseball. Probably, I'm guessing around top ten to top fifteen, if even that. It, they maybe they might even be closer to top five. There just hasn't been uh, that many contracts of that magnitude signed. And here are just a couple of my concerns. The players' union is already on edge, and they have been since last season. I just, it just seems like a stretch to me that Lozano is just going to go ahead and just, you know, just send Har- uh, Harper, send Machado to the Yankees and potentially screw up the market for maybe Harper, maybe Betts, maybe Trout in a couple of years. And I just, I just feel like there has to be communication between him and the players union. Boris has probably been in contact with them saying, Hey, don't screw it up for my guy here, you know, do the right thing. And I just, I can't see the, I just can't see him going to the Yankees for less money. And this isn't going to be the off season. I don't think where, everything suddenly changes. I think they're going to fight like hell to try to get things back on course. You know, and, you know, maybe they never will fully, but I just, I just can't see, I can't see him going to the second highest bidder. But, Jeremy, go ahead. I'm sure you want to weigh in. Um, if he was going to go to the highest bidder, he would have already done it by now. It's something I've said now for a month. But you can put the shoe on the other foot and say, why? well, if he wants New York and he knows their parameters, why hasn't he done that as well? Because he's attempting to leverage the other opportunities into more money out of New York. And because uh, uh, he probably hasn't even started working out yet, he's not in a rush to to take away and, and make a decision he doesn't want. I mean, he's going to New York. As we get closer to this to the to spring training, the Yankees are going to offer a little bit more. Now, is it going to be a, the, a full two years or you know five million per? Probably not. But is it going to be more than what he, they're offering now? Probably. And that's what he wants. He wants to squeeze every dollar out of it as, as much as he possibly can. And let me just say this, okay? Um, from someone who. Um, is not operating on the same scale as these agents, but understand the attorney client relationship. Um, you lose your license making, making decisions for your clients. The de- now nine times out of 10, a client listens to the attorney agent representative because why, you know, they, they don't understand the process. Um, the process is something that the agent attorney representative has done numerous times, understands the market, et cetera, et cetera. But if Manny Machado went to his client and said, I want to sign with the Arizona Diamondbacks for one year and $1 million, he has to do it. He's ethically bound by it. He can lose his license not to. So I'm just, look, I get what you're saying. I get there are ancillary factors. I have no doubt that Boris has chimed in and said, don't, you know, you know, do this, do that, whatever. Maybe Boris has even attempted to speak directly with Machado through the agent. I have no idea. And I know the union has... And, and the union representatives has, have reached out and, and probably have had meetings with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. But it just doesn't matter at the end of the day. Uh, you know, I mean, 
free will exists in in contracts in professional contracts it does so I don't, I don't really, I don't, and I, and I sit there and listen, um, Terry to you and, and, and people on Twitter and media and listen to them say their agent won't let them do this. The the players association won't let them do this. Well, guess what? That's not how it works. They have a tremendous amount of pull. They have a tremendous stake in the rest of the league. And for that, they do, uh, intermingle into the situation. But at the end of the day, the decision is Manny Machado's Bryce Harper or any other free agent out there. It's just how it is period. End of story. Well, name legally, that's how it has to be. Name a free agent of their magnitude. And I'm not talking about Jason Veritek, who signed a $40, $50 million deal, which is puny compared to what he's going to sign. But give me some precedents here. Give me some precedents of another time where a top flight free agent took less money. You're, well, you just took my best example and said I couldn't use it. But you so, can't. You can't con- no, 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 no. Yes, I can because that's the prime example, and it happened here in our backyard. Now, listen. The other thing is these these negotiations, and 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 anytime you're talking about you know certain parts of contracts and 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 reaching agreements, a lot of the negotiations are agreed upon to be either confidential by the parties or by the state statute. So, for example, where I live in Florida, if you're negotiating a settlement. Those that process is confidential under a state statute, so I can't I can't come to an agreement and then go out and broadcast the negotiation process. It's a, it's a it's a violation of a Florida statute, and I'm and look you know we're talking antitrust, which I I'm going to admit I don't fully understand because the collective bargaining agreement governs not necessarily state or federal law, although state or federal law will hop in and fill in the blanks, but that's just not how it works. And I don't know. So I, and I don't know. Um, I know some, I know enough to probably get me in trouble, but to, to just sit here and say the media, you know, it, to say that it's a foregone conclusion that the agent, you know, quote unquote, won't let it happen. is just, it's wrong. I'm sorry. It's wrong. The, the player has a factor and what he is doing, in my opinion, is leveraging the absolute most dollar bills not a great sentence, admittedly. The, the 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 highest value he can out of the Yankees. And I'm I'm not saying I'm right, but I feel pretty strongly about it. No no player in nine figure territory has ever taken less money. Has taken a lesser nine figure contract for another team. You you can't name me a player. And you know I'm I was in the middle of pulling up. I'm not I'm not even gonna. Veritek is just not. You're you're comparing. You you know there, there's just no comparison there. One's one's a generational talent, and the other one's not even going to sniff Should I, down. Do I have do I have to, do I have to stay within the, the sport of baseball? How about Kevin Durant with OKC? How about Tom Brady with the New England Patriots? Different um, different agents, different unions. Uh, you know, so every time there's something counter to your point, you just dismiss it including getting out ahead of Veritech. I'm just saying it happens, Terry. I mean, don't, don't, and then don't, and then don't create an arbitrary, don't create an arbitrary barrier by saying it has to be nine figures. What are you talking about, dude? These are all people trying to make the most amount of money in a very short window for, for their respective careers. So, I mean, I just gave you five or six exam examples and I'm telling you that this is Manny Machado has a say like his agent. Isn't going to say, Hey, Milwaukee just offered, you know, twelve years and three hundred and sixty million, that's where you're going. He he'd be you know, he'd probably say, maybe I'm wrong, he'd probably say, Get the fuck out of here. I'm not going to Milwaukee. 
we're galaxies apart, so I mean we can go back and forth on it all night, but I I just don't. There's no point in it. Uh, Chris, anything to add? No, I think I, and Terry, I know there's few times where I agree with you. I think this time I had to disagree. I think Jeremy's right. Whatever Machado wants, he's going to get. If he wants to be a Yankee, even if it's for less money, he's going to be a Yankee. He's wanted to be one. He loves a Rod. He, I think he's always wanted to be in the limelight. I know, you know, Tulo, I mean, to, you know, get off topic of Machado and go to low for a quick second. He, in a lot of ways, he idolized Jeter. He wanted to play in New York. Obviously, he didn't because he, you know, was drafted by the Rockies. But as a free agent this year, there were 16 teams that wanted him. 16. And he chose New York knowing that he more than likely would be a regular for at least the first couple months if he could be healthy and then be a platoon guy if and when Didi comes back and Tulo is healthy and he still chose New York. And I think that shows, A, that he's willing to trust himself, that he feel he feels like he can handle that abuse that the New York media will be, a la what they'll do to Machado if he continues to be that dirty player. But going back to Tulo, I think in a lot of ways he chose to, he wanted to be a Yankee. He chose to do that. His agent might have said, you know what, you might be better off. You might be, uh, you might have a better chance to be able to get more or do more for this team. He's like, no, I want to be a New York Yankee. So if Machado wants to be a Yankee, he's going to be one. And as long as the feelings, you know, are mutual, which they seem to be, he's going to be a Yankee. It's just a matter of, I guess, when. Tulowitzki, he has to be paid the major league minimum, $550,000. The Red Sox could call up the worst reliever in AAA, and he's going to make the same exact money as Troy Tulowitzki. Literally, all thirty-two, all thirty teams can absorb that. They're, you know, so I don't. That wasn't his point, though. His point was that he was going to go to a team that he was going to be promised a, 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 a nine innings for hundred and fifty games, and instead he chose the Yankees, and he's only promised nine innings for about seventy-five games. He had the luxury of potentially signing Machado. He had the luxury of choosing, though, and the the dollar amount was not going to change. It, regardless, so so here's here's what it comes down to, Chris. Okay, because I mean, well, go, Chris, go ahead. We we started, I, and Jeremy, I'll let, I'll let you get in after. But finish, finish I remember the first podcast I've done with Jeremy and you. This was going way back, and Jeremy talked about how you know the the off the field and the merchandising could kind of equal the money that teams and players, mainly the team, could get. Now, and that's when we talked about Harper. Machado, granted, for what he does with his immature acts and blah, 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 we can talk about that forever. But what he does for the Yankees and that cachet and that name does bring in a lot of money. So in some ways, I'm not the master of contracts. I never will be. I don't know what they're going to read. But it would not shock me if there was a certain you know, sentence or two that said, if we make X amount from your jersey sales, you will get this amount back so that could be something that's underneath the contract that he could still get to that 300 million if there's a certain point you know reached either on the field or off the field i don't know i'm not a master of contracts but that's that's why the gms are gms and we're here so jeremy yeah chris um you're making valid points 
and it's crushing Terry's point. And so he's, he's, he's resided himself that he's just not going to agree. And his opinion is it's dollar bills, period, end of story. And you're talking about, you know, potentially fits for family members. Um, you know, again, Machado hasn't been shy about his affinity for New York. Um, going back, you know, into the earlier parts of his life, um, why the marketability, the dollar, you know, the other things that go with playing for a, a, a contender. Like, I'm sorry, I, I would ne- I I have been on record pretty unambiguously as saying I I would have been the athlete that most likely would have taken the highest dollar figure, and I've said that you know I'd be the athlete that go into the press conference and and they'd be like, hey, you know, why did you sign with the Patriots when the Cleveland Browns uh, you know, why'd you sign with the Cleveland Browns and the Patriots had also offered you money and I'd be like, they offered me 50 million more dollars. I'm blamed for Cleveland, you know, like I, that's how I would be. I'm, I think I'm self-aware enough to know that, but you can't pretend that a guy who's already made a shitload of money in his life isn't going to consider the other factors when he's looking at where he wants to play. Are you kidding me? If let's say the Yankees are eight, eight and two eighty, and, and the white Sox are 10 and 300. You can't tell me he can't make that $20 million up in New York and play for a contender for, let's say, seven of the 10 years of the deal. It's a, that's a no-brainer. And is that going to prevent him from trying to get New York closer to that 10 and 300? Of course not. That's what negotiations are. That's how leverage works. But to just say that it's only about money and to forget all these other factors, I'm, I'm sorry. It's irresponsible if that's your opinion. Or I'm sorry, in evaluating an opinion because these things are factors. They have to be. I, and again, I hearken back to my initial point, which is, look, if it was just about the guy who offered Manny Machado the most money, this thing would be done by now. Yep. Well, there's there's no precedence of of a player of his magnitude in the sport I've already, of baseball. I've already given you six examples. Jason Veritek and who were the other five? I mean, come on. Why Kevin, didn't Why didn't Patrick Corbin sign with New York? He wanted to be a Yankee. It would have been for two or three million dollars a year less, but. He went to he went to the highest bidder, and but he wanted to be a Yankee. He wanted to be a Yankee. So the human psyche, hold on, Terry. The human psyche is different in baseball than in other professional sports, or just professionalism. Profession, being a professional, whether it's being a doctor or whatever. I mean, to just say that it's some baseball has some carved out some niche to 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 facilitate your point. And I look, I, Terry. I just you gave you I, an example. I just gave you an example of a player who wanted to be a Yankee who took the highest bidder, and I'm I'm just not going to come I, off the precedence yeah, of, of no, all I the mean, fame I get, level I, players. I, I just <laughs> well, Patrick Corp is not a Hall of Fame right, level player. Fi- final question on this: if it's if it's if it's two seventy versus three fifty, does he still take the two seventy with New York versus three fifty with Philly? No. Maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know, all right. Well, at least, you know. I mean, look, I'm, I love the hypothetical that, that it's so geared towards your point that it makes it hard to argue the other way. So I get what you're doing. And, Terry, look, I know, I know, like, we've done enough. We've done, what, about 40 to 50 of these things by now together or, or probably 30 to 40. Like, I know how you operate, and I respect the hell out of it, and you drive content like crazy for, for someone. You know, what did you say you were before we got started? 
a something podcaster. I really like that line. I wish I forgot. I wish I remembered it. Oh, I, so, I said, I was, a, I said I, was, I was a minor league podcaster. Yeah, minor league podcaster. I like that a lot. I'm going to write that down. So, and and I, I can I, I can appreciate your ability to drive content, um, and but you know this just seems like you're you're not going to you're not going to listen to outside arguments or outside discussion and you're just sitting in your ways and the hypotheticals are geared towards your conclusion and you're not allowing, you know, you're not allowing Chris and I to use other examples that facilitate our position. And so, you know, for that reason, I, I, I respect that you're going to, you're going to take this position at the end of the day, the podcast that follows these people finally signing will probably be as entertaining when I hopefully get the chance to call you on your bullshit. Well, you know, I'm I'm not one that won't admit I was wrong when and if that day comes, you know, and and I could be, but it, at this at this moment on January second or third, whatever today is, I just I can't see that. I just I I'm not, I don't see him taking less money overall. You know, an eight year deal versus a ten year deal. I just don't. I can't. So, but that's fine. And give me, you know. So then how do you, how do you remedy the fact that he hasn't signed yet? Because he's, he's waiting for the market to rise. He already knows the Yankees aren't going more than eight years. And, and, you know, over, they're staying under 300 million. That team is, they, they have a third baseman. They have a third baseman. Who, who, by the way, probably, I mean, how many Red Sox players hit 27 bombs last year? Two, you know? So he, he would have been one of the, not defensively by any means. Well, actually, I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to really say that Devers or Nunez are, are great defenders by any means. So, I mean, we're, you know, we're in pretty rough shape at that corner defensively as well, but I just... So, I mean, now you're talking about how he fits in the lineup and what position he's going to play. I, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think he – I mean, I've said since day one, when we did the prediction podcast, which was like uh, 10 days after the World Series, I predicted that he was going to be a Yankee. And then we also did a segment where we wanted him to go, I believe. Maybe I'm mischaracterizing this. I but I also do. said, I also said I want him to be a Yankee. Um, and I'm, my opinion is not based on that. My opinion is based on what I think and what I'm hearing and application of, um, you know, the facts to where I think he's going to land. Now, I don't think he makes them better. I think he handicaps handicaps them tremendously financially. I think he's probably going to end up pushing out Andahar, who is a rising star in this league. I think he just finished second in the rookie of the year vote. So. Like I don't think he makes them better. I think the I I think if they were smart, they would take that money and and either save it for next season or the all or, or the um, the trade deadline, and go sign pitching because that's where they need help. And Chris, maybe you could chime in here because it's your team. But to me, I don't see signing Machado as being any sort of upside where it's going to result in, in a significant increase in wins because they are already an elite offensive team. They need pitching. No, they do. They need pitching badly. I mean, you know, the infield defense alone besides Torres is questionable because Sanchez, we've seen what he is behind the plate. If if the ball is rolled to first base, nobody is going to pick it up because Bird and Void 
you know, Voight don't really have a sure bet to get that position at first. Shortstop, yes, Tulo, you know, is an improvement over Tyler Wade. But then again, Tulo also needs to stay on the field. And Andujar, with all the questions about is Machado coming, what's going to happen, you know, how is this going to affect him psychologically? Because I don't know him as a, you know, as a person. So what's all this chatter really going to do with him? And, you know, I was talking with Terry earlier about how the free agent class with the Yankees in twenty in twenty twenty three will have Judge, Sanchez, Severino in twenty two. So there are some guys that they do have to pay. I think they'll pay Severino and Judge before Sanchez. Now mind you, Judge will be a free agent at age thirty. I don't think that will be a big deal because of the way he's built and you know, up until now his injury history has not been bad. But I mean who knows that's still a couple years away. You know, but going back to the point, they do need pitching badly and you know, for a lineup that is so right-handed heavy and to lose a guy like Didi who does three things. He's a great defender, he's a left-handed hitter, and he's capable on both sides of the ball. The Yankees, and he has a little bit of speed. The Yankees don't have a lot of speed in that lineup. They're extremely heavily, you know, heavily right-handed, and they have a lot of guys who strike out in that lineup. And Machado, albeit, is a great power hitter. He can do a lot of things with the bat. I respect him for it. But his strikeouts are still high, especially in the postseason. They spiked up. So, and I've I've said this now for for at least a couple months. Getting Machado does not make them that much better than what they were last year. It doesn't make them better than the Red Sox. And in all honesty, it doesn't make them better than Houston. Because I still trust Houston's pitching and what they have offensively because they have a well-rounded team that doesn't rely on the home runs compared to the Yankees. And I'm saying that as a Yankee fan. So that should say a lot. So, Chris, let me ask you a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. It, it, so I think we all agree on that on that point. And I think most, you know, quote-unquote rational fans feel that way. Um, how much – and I don't listen to, you know, Yankee, you know, broadcasts. And, mm-hmm. um, so I, I honestly don't know. This is not some rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. How much do, do, does – the brass value Machado as a marketable asset because in my, if, if, if we feel that way, there's people in um, the Yankees front office that feels that way, but yet he's still the lead candidate to go to, you know, he's still New York is the, the prime landing spot. Mm-hmm. So to me that has to be because they feel like they, they can make up the value in the contract and off field dollar bills. Am, am I seeing that wrong or is there some chatter that I haven't heard? No, you're seeing that right. I think it's a combination of two things. It's what you stated, and it's the fact that the Red Sox won the World Series. If you look at all the times that the Red Sox have won the World Series, that following offseason or going into that offseason, the Yankees have signed A-Rod to a big-time extension. They went out and got Randy Johnson, Jared Wright, and Carl Pavano after the Red Sox won. They got they signed Jacoby Ellsbury after you guys won back in 13. So, they feel that pressure of having to make a big time move, and I think it comes to a point where they can say that you know we needed this, we needed that, you know. But realistically, they don't. I mean, it's it's it baffles my mind that there's so many young, and I'm not talking about like you know 40, 50. I'm talking about people my age and a little bit older because I'm 25, about to be 26 in two hours, and you know to hear about how. You know, Machado can do this, he can do that, you know, he's better than Andujar. But if you look at the numbers of Andujar, they're, at least for one full season, 
they're pretty you know they're pretty applicable you know applicable compared to Machado. So I get that they can make a lot of money off him off the field and whatnot. But does he help that clubhouse? Eh. When CC's, no, he's he a scumbag. What was that? No, he doesn't help the clubhouse. He's a scumbag. Exactly. That's the point. You know, he's a very immature player who, when he gets pissed off, he starts to act like a child. And he's at the age now where he's 26 years old. If he's acting like that at 26, you can't tell me that he's going to change at 28, 29, 30, 31. Because to go back to, you know, I know you mentioned about going to other sports. Odell Beckham, when he was, I think, what was it, a rookie or a second-year guy, he was launching himself into Josh Norman. And none, nobody on the Giants reprimanded him. So what's happened since then? He continues to act like a diva. So if you the, the way that Machado's career has gone, he hasn't been handled correctly in terms of being reprimanded. And this is a guy who, you know, perfect example, look at the Tulo contract. That was a big contract for a shortstop, okay? He's aged and a lot of injury has come about because of the fact that he's gotten older. And I wonder if it's going to take that in order for Machado to realize, oh, I'm not God's, you know, God's creation. I'm actually not a person who can live through all these injuries. I actually need to mature. And if it takes till then, I'm sorry, but I don't want to deal with a Machado at 33 who's going to be mature and then realize that he needs to be a better, you know, person and player on the field and off the field. The laziness. Totally agree on that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the laziness is a huge red flag for me. I mean, if he's if he's acting this way before his big contract, what's he going to be like two or three years into it? You know, not, you know, legging out those doubles and, and whatnot. And yep. I just, yep. I don't know. And look at, look at Antonio Brown with the Steelers in the last 24 hours. Great call, Jeremy. Well, Great call. here's an extreme example, and I doubt it would get this bad, but look at Yoenna Cespedes right now. I saw, I saw a headline yeah. today that said he yeah. might not play in 2019 at all. You know, he's still recovering from his heel surgery from, I think, 2017. That's a guy who got yeah. paid and doesn't give a fuck. And he was all over Twitter buying these toys, you know, these yep. expensive vehicles. And, uh, you know, and like I said, I'm not saying Machado can get that bad, but we've seen it with Cespedes. We saw it with Sandoval. I mean, how, how does a guy who had three rings, a former World Series MVP, just fall off a cliff like that. I mean, we can make the fat jokes all day long, but, you know, nobody saw that coming with Sandoval, that quickly anyway. And so I just, and just to reiterate, I'm not, just because I'm, I really don't think he's going to sign, <laughs> I'm rooting for it. That's fine. I, I can deal with Manny Machado still being in the American League East and, you know, I did a live stream earlier in the week. You know, talking about how dumb it's going to be to sign Harper and the the three play the four players I listed. You could have for the same money: Michael Brantley, um, Andrew Miller, Joe Kelly, and I went with Steve Pierce. You could have those same four players for the same forty million that Harper may or may not cost, and. So say you go with Harper rather than the other four, now you still have to go get those other four, you know, to fill those holes on the teams. I just, you know, to to clog up your payroll with a guy like Machado when you have, a, at least from an offensive 
perspective, when you have a highly serviceable third baseman, is just absolutely insane to me. <laughs> and well, look to get to get back to Chris's point, it, it's look the Yankees are not some shitty organization. They're not the Devil Rays, right? They're not. Uh, I mean, the Cincinnati Reds, right? This is a this is a this is a, a program that has evolved um, since Steinbrenner Senior stepped down and eventually passed. They 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 have employed more business people. Um, they have stayed super consistent with Cashman, um, and they've been competitive. You know, mostly for for a really long period of time. And I'm talking about my. You know, I'm 35 years old, so during my you know fandom as a baseball fan since I was like eight to ten years old. It, it, it is shocking to me that because I feel like this is a foregone conclusion that he's going Machado's going to sign with the Yankees not for performance and you know Im- improvement in WAR or the power numbers OPS RBIs home runs, and he's not necessarily viewed as a slam dunk marketable athlete. You know he is a douchebag. Um, you know, Chris, you characterize him him as having problems. I I would just say he's a douchebag. Um, so to, to to say that Machado to the Yankees is going to happen, basically, boy, and I agree with you, Chris. Boiling down to petty jealousy over your biggest rival winning the World Series to me is laughable. And may, maybe I'm giving the Yankees too much credit if that's really what's about to happen, because that's shocking and. It, to me, it's so clearly the wrong decision. Like, the Phillies have more to gain. Like, they can't get talent in Philly. You can. You're the Yankees. You already have talent. You already have Judge. You already have Stan. You already have Didi's going to be back. I mean, you have talent up the ass. Philly can't get anybody unless they draft them. Of course Philly's going to overpay. Of course the White Sox are going to overpay. They can't generate that sort of uh, draw on free agency. If they don't draft people, if they don't get the middling free agents they can't improve on a large scale. So, of course, those teams are willing to do that. You're the Yankees. You don't need to do that. But yet you're about to because of petty jealousy because the Boston Red Sox just won the World Series. And I know I'm restating what Chris is kind of already saying, but to me it's like it's mind-blowing. And, again, maybe I have to rethink my level of respect for the Yankees organization if this is really what's about to happen. Um, yeah, I mean – we can go back and forth on it all day, you know, whether it's going to happen, whether it makes sense fiscally, you know, or strategically for the Yankees. But, um, you know, maybe I don't know. I mean, I think we're we're at least a few days away from from anything happening. And, um, you know, the and maybe not before the 11th before the arbitration things chris is before we get to harper is judge up for arbitration does his um i forget the term for it uh controllable years by the team team control well there's another like a super two player or chris bryant got to arbitration really fast mm-hmm. um, so I, I i i didn't know if uh how long is Judge out from arbitration? He's got – he has, I think, one more year of team control, if not two. I can't be exact. I have to look. But I know he's a free agent in 2023. And if he keeps putting up the numbers like he is, it wouldn't shock me if the Mookie Betts money that he's been getting is not far off because 
I, I'm not comparing, you know, either of the two. I think Mookie Betts is a transcendent player, but I think Judge is maybe a notch below, but he could still get close to that amount of money. So maybe that's another reason why the Yankees are trying to, you know, maybe speed up the win process because, you know, like I've said with Andujar, if the Yankees were a win-now team two years from now, Andujar would be perfect. But because the Yankees have to win now because the Red Sox won and the Yankees had all the expectations from 17, which I've said now for over a year and a half that those expectations hurt that Yankee team this year because that 17 Yankee team, completely different. That was a team with no expectations, a young team. Everybody was having fun. It, it just had a different aura. But in 18, you had expectations. You had Stanton. You had what Cashman did during the trade deadline, getting all those extra guys with Hap and Britain, signing Neil Walker and so on. So, you know, it, it becomes that, you know, the expectations were too high for the 18 team. And you wonder if it's going to be like that this year and beyond because unless they get pitching and they change their approach at the plate, it's not going to change what's happened in terms of what they do in the playoffs because home runs, living and dying by the home run, does not win you a World Series. It does not advance you far in the playoffs. Point proven. Houston and Red Sox the last two years. Kansas City in 15. Right. No, and I hear you. Just to go back on one thing in there, though, um, I I would say that Mookie Betts is a better all-around player than Aaron Judge, but I just from a raw power hitting standpoint i just think judge is gonna consistently mash year after year mookie kind of fell off a cliff as far as the power went you know i think he had like four home runs after the um all-star break or maybe it was six or so but nothing like his first half and i just feel like judge is just consistently you know hammering away you know, throughout the season, I know he got hit by a pitch and had the wrist thing, but I just don't know. I mean, who do you, do you think Mookie is going to be more sustainable, you know, for the next decade? Cause he's got, he's gone up and down. I mean, 2017 wasn't a spectacular year for him and, and judge almost was the MVP. Many thought he should have been. Well, I think you're looking at two different players. I mean, you look at Mookie and you look at Judge. Judge is a bigger player, relies more on power. Mookie Betts is a little bit more of an athletic center fielder. I mean, they play two different positions. Um, and I'm pretty sure when Mookie's a free agent, he'll also be younger than Judge as well. So you can kind of say, okay, does that two-year gap really you know, make a difference? But, I, and I, again, my I, I shouldn't say that you know, the bias is there because I should be saying judge is better, but there's just something about watching Mookie and what he does and the times I've watched him, you know, maybe it's the less strikeouts. Maybe it's the more, you know, speed that he does. And the fact that he can really, you know, cause fear into pitchers in terms of being on the base paths where judge is really not that much of a burner, but, and you know, both being at the plate, you don't want to face either of them, especially a guy like judge where he can fall behind Oh two, but then he works you. I felt like every time he was up at the plate, it was a 3-2 count. Yeah, I, I'm just – let me put it this way, and, uh, and I'll let um, – Jeremy, I'll let, I'll let you weigh in. You know, let me just ask the question this way. If you're going to have one player for 10 years, who's going who's gonna to give you the most throughout that 10 years? And I'm, I can't argue Mookie's defensive 
prowess, you know, and, and, you know, that should be valued, but I just, from a consistent offensive standpoint, I just, I almost want to lean towards judge, but Jeremy, go ahead. Well, big bodied guys typically don't have the same length of their career just because more weight, more problems that can go wrong. And judge is so fucking big. Uh, and I'm a big, I'm big, I'm six, five. Um, and I, you know, I played baseball in college. Um, I constantly had problems with my back shoulder and, and, you know, knees and feet as, and I'm only 35 years old and I'm not a professional athlete. So, and I know that that falls on deaf ears, but I'm just trying to relay the point that big bodied athletes tend to break down quicker than smaller athletes. Mookie's so, and I've constantly called him this. He's a, he's a NBA point guard playing right field at Fenway park. He's so fucking athletic. He's so light on his feet. I mean, he wears converted basketball sneakers as cleats. Um, and I, again, cheap hypothetical there, cheap, cheap example, but to me, it's just, it's not even close when you also consider, and I'm regurgitating Chris's point, Mookie's two years younger. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent, um, in his calendar 28 year, whereas judge is going to be 30. Um, so to me, it's not even, it's, it's, to me, it's not close. If you're talking about a 10 year window, if, if that's the hypothetical, uh, in 10 years, Mookie's going to be 35 and in 10 years, judge will probably be out of the league at 37. So, um, you know, that, and just one other point I wanted to uh, bring up, um, Mookie in 2017, in his last year of, uh, team control, he made $950,000 and his first year of arbitration, he made 10.5 million. So he's going to make 15, I think to 18 million at 15 might even be low. He's going to make 17, five this year in arbitration two and then arbitration three he may set a record if he's still like an mvp candidate so he's going to make a tremendous amount of money despite the fact that he's quote unquote not a free agent like i look at the next two years for mookie as like two years um 35 million dollars at least Judge Judge has another year of team control. He's going to make that $950,000 this year. And then he's going to jump into arbitration and he's going to be he's going to follow the Mookie Betts formula. He's going to be a $10 million per year, then a $17 million per year and then God knows what in 2022 in his final year. And I think that, you know, and and I know we've moved on from Machado, but I think that's also a factor when you're talking about why would you sign Machado? You already have that guy. And you're going to you're going to burn money that's going to be allocated to him. And I know he's under, you know, he's got a team controlled year and then he's got three years of arbitration where he's going to be a Yankee unless they trade him it. But he's he's Aaron Judge. He's already, you know, in that MVP candidate year after year. He, he's going to continue to project that way. So you need the money available to this for this guy. You do. And, um you know, but so hopefully the contract details also hi- help highlight what's kind of happening with these two players. I I think Judge could sign early, especially if he's not going to hit free agency. You know, until age thirty. I mean, if it's an astronomical thirty-one. Deal, yeah, I mean, if it's an astronomical deal, you know, close to four hundred or better. I mean, I I don't. But that's not how early contracts work. I mean, 
Pedroia signed one. Um, uh, who else signed one that I'm spacing it on? But early contracts work as you're gonna you're gonna make more than your you would in arbitration, but you're also gonna give some back for the for the for the immediate financial certainty that comes with an early contract. You're not gonna see top of the market without getting to uh, to free agency. You're just not. So, and, and that's one of the issues with Mookie. Um, they offered him a deal, or they started to talk about a deal, and it wasn't top of the market. And Mookie was going to bet on himself, and it appears he's going to be right, but you're just not going to do that. Pedroia's was for six, six years, $60 million. Um, and if he didn't take that, he would have made more. He would have made maybe twice that amount uh, earlier in his career, but he, he took he took the contract, took the, the guaranteed lifetime financial um you know, certainty. And then, and then he signed one of the worst contracts, uh, in recent memory. But so he kind of lucked out where he took the early contract and then signed again, but that's just not how these, he's not going to get 400 million without getting to free agency in, in 2023. Well, M- Miguel Cabrera would be a relevant example. His extension was, he had, I think, 30 or 40 remaining over, I think, two years, and then he signed a $252 million uh, deal, which brought it closer to 300. And I don't know if Stanton's deal had been signed at that point, but I mean, he was basically the second highest paid player of all time. And he was, he must have been 31, 32. You know, that was one of the last real stupid contracts, but. Dombrowski threw a shit ton of money at him and, and and he took it, you know? And so, I mean, I, I don't know. Chris, what, what, are, what are your thoughts? I mean, to go back to your point with the Tigers, I think that, that was a team that was so desperate to win. I mean, Dombrowski, for all the trades that he's done in the past and, you know, trying to win now, you know, he saw a chance to try to continue, you know, continue that win streak with Detroit. And, you know, a lot of the contracts they gave, they're, they're going to be – you know, I, I can't see them fully rebuilding until they find a way to get underneath that Cabrera contract, and it's going to be hard. You know, I mean, that's why the Marlins getting away from the stand contract, I think, was able to kind of turn that team around in some way and allow them to fully reboot, start from the ground, you know, put their shovel in the dirt, and then try to rebuild this thing. And, you know, the Marlins farm system went from 31st to, I think, 19th, and there's still chances for them to get a little bit better. They signed a kid, Victor Victor Mesa, and his brother, Victor Mesa Jr. So I think that's going to help out the farm system even more. But going back to your point, I mean, you know, these big these big time contracts really restrict teams. And that's why we, we've seen a lot of one, two year deals this year. And, you know, a guy like Nelson Cruz, who the last, what, four years has hit over, I think I saw a stat since 2014, he's hit over 200 and something home runs. And for everything he's done, he's been healthy. He's been a solid guy taking away the PED usage. And, you know, he's great for the clubhouse and he's helped your team win. He shows up to play. But he was rewarded a one-year, $14 million contract with an option in 2020. So, you know, teams really do value the age and what you've done in terms of your previous couple years with health and such. And Judge being 30, that could hurt him. Mookie Betts being young and if he's still – has the athleticism in center field, or not center field, right field, pardon me, and has a still above positive war, that can net him a lot of money. 
That's why Hayward got as much as he did from the Cubs. Yes, his bat had projection, although it hasn't really showed, but his defense was superb. So the Cubs gave him gave him that amount of money as he received from them because of his defense. Teams pay for defense. That's a, that was a dumb contract, though. I mean, he's a he's a ten million dollar, ten twelve million dollar player right now. You know, I mean, he was benched in the World Series a couple years ago, and I mean. That I mean, that's one. They the Cubs want Bryce Harper. <laughs> they want, and I mean, there was discussions about it last week. But you get you got Hayward making twenty seven million a year. You got Darvish making twenty two million a year for five more years. Lester has another year or two left of twenty something million. Like, I mean, for as brilliant as Epstein's been, he's made some really bad missteps in the last couple of years um with you know the cubs and with also and you mentioned nelson cruz he's 38 years old and i mean judge if he's around you know age 36 or beyond i would assume that's going to be a dh but then again you do have stanton i think he's got 260 million left over nine years so (laughs) i can't have two dhs i guess but 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 the thing though with Judge and Cruz, Cruz was never known as a defender. He was always that guy that was going to end up as a first baseman DH. That's why that's why he was traded from Milwaukee to Texas, and he was able to be a DH slash right fielder. He actually cost the Rangers that World Series in 2011 against St. Louis because he misplayed a ball in right, right. and he wasn't supposed to, he wasn't even supposed to be out there, for, you know, from the get. But I mean, yeah, that's that's a whole other story. You, if go you're gonna, your I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know, the fact is, is that if Judge is a capable defender, he'll get paid and it'll help him in the long term. But as Jeremy said, big guy, wear down, the injuries come up, and judges judges already had a couple. And if he can stay away from the injury bug, he'll get paid. But if he doesn't, I mean, as long as Cashman's at the helm. He he doesn't care about the judge's corner and him being a fan favorite. If the, if it doesn't equal the plan of what the Yankees are going to do in the long term and prolong this winning that the Yankee fans and people demand, he's going to say, you know what, go get it from another team because it, it doesn't it doesn't equal success because no no team has won a World Series paying a guy three hundred million dollars. That's the biggest stat ever in baseball. No team has won paying a guy. $300 million. Or ever. over two, 200 actually, uh, with the exception of uh, 2009 with your um, Yankees there. Yeah, yeah. But actually, with a bat, with a bat making more than 200 because the Red Sox just did it with, with Price. And I'm a huge believer of spending on pitching, you know, and I, the sure, you're starting to see some contracts – working out again for for guys over the age of 30. I mean, Kluber's still, he's not making huge money. He signed a team-friendly deal, but even if it was for huge money, he's still a guy that's producing. Max Scherzer is a guy that's producing. David Price just had, as much as I hate to admit it, and I don't have mouthwash anywhere near me, um, had one of the better seasons of his career, you know, so... I'll spend on pitching for sure, but you know, with with the bat, as you were just saying, the the value just isn't there. 
Um, let's get because we're pushing an hour now, so let's just get ten minutes or so on uh, Harper. Um, uh, Jeremy, we'll lead you off here. Um, Dodgers, Nationals, and he's meeting with the Phillies today. So, or, well, it was announced today that he's meeting with the Phillies. So, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I still think he's going to go back to the Nationals. Um, and I think what he's doing is trying to find out what you know what's going to be the highest offer. And if it's enough to go, then he'll go. And I think the Dodgers are a real possibility. They have the money. Um, they're contending. Um, so he's going to a team that's gone to back-to-back World Series, and he's going to be, uh, you know, potentially that guy that gets him over the top. Um, they've already cleared the, the the spot in the lineup with the trade from I think ten days ago. Um, so they've clearly done the things they feel like they need to do to get him. Wouldn't surprise me if he goes there. Um, I feel like he's only going to go to Philly if Machado doesn't. Um, they haven't been shy about wanting Machado. Um, and then, you know, I, I think the Nationals are still a fit. They've offered him uh, 10 years, $300 million. I don't think whether they're posturing or not, um, I do believe that if he comes to them and says, I'll take the 10 and 300, I think he, he will do it. Um, and then one final note, just on a grand scheme, baseball is revert is, is well not baseball. The teams generally, the front offices generally, are trying to create a shift back towards fiscally responsible contracts, and that's why there's been for two years now there's been absolutely no free agent activity. Um, they're, teams are not going to overpay. They're not going to create more term on the contracts than they have to. And with these two players, it seems to, it seems like there's going to be exceptions once the contracts are finally announced. But it's amazing to me that baseball has seemingly got their act together and said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna as a as a as a corporation, top to bottom, we're gonna get responsible here with these contracts." Teams just aren't overextending themselves. It's amazing to me that we're now flipped the calendar year and there's been like what, like six signings and like three trades. I mean, I, I read a stat that there's still 214, um, you know, veteran free agents available. It's it's it's, it's crazy. So uh, that's kind of you know to mix in my Harper and then my comment that I wanted to make, just generally speaking. I I picked the Nationals and I, I think they're very much live, you know, in this you know, race for him. Uh, Chris, before you weigh in, let me, let me create an angle for you. If, if Machado does go to the Yankees, what are the chances the Phillies miss on both? Uh, See, the problem with the Phillies is that they, they started their rebuild. They cut down, they did as much as they could for this off season. And then maybe, the Trout and Mookie Betts, you know, offseason when they're both free agents, if they get there. But if they strike out on both Machado and Harper, it is not good because what's happening right now, the Eagles just won a Super Bowl, and now they're back in the playoffs with the help of Nick Foles. The Sixers are becoming at least a pretty decently top three, top four team in the East. And the Phillies are lagging behind. And you know that's not something they want to hear because – 
those fan bases like Boston, like New York, they demand winners. And the Phillies have not been since the late Roy Halladay and those group of Cliff Lee and, you know, the old guys with Howard and Utley. So if they strike out with Machado, they have to hit on Harper because if they don't, I'm sorry, but I just don't see that team as a division-winning, you know, NL East crown team just because they really don't have that one star player on the offensive side. Mikel Franco has not taken that next step. Kingry's too young. They traded away one of their top guys in Crawford to get Segura. So they're lacking that one power person, that one head star. They well, don't have that. Reese Hoskins, though. Don't forget him. He's he's not a he's not a star yet though, Terry. He's nowhere close to Harper, and he's he's got to prove that he can play. You know, he he's moving from fir, you know from left field to first base. He's a much better player at first, which I don't get why they signed Santana and put him out there and left. But that's a whole other story. But uh, I mean, Hoskins is a nice player. I'm not comparing him to Harper by any means. He could eventually maybe be a star, but he's not even close to the Harper Machado level. Not even. Yeah, and I, I wasn't saying that, but I mean, I just think there's there's some serious potential there. Um, okay, and I'm just it's just kind of curious to me that they could potentially miss on both, especially when their owner came out and uh, said that they would quote spend money and possibly be a little stupid about it. And stupid money. Yeah, so I I don't know. Here's another thing I want to mention. Uh, Jeremy brought up the uh, Dodgers kind of clearing some payroll as well as a spot in their outfield for Harper. And I was thinking back, and maybe you guys will come up with a name, but looking at the Dodgers and the Giants specifically, when was the last time they signed a big-time free agent? They've had some homegrown ones, you know, Kershaw, Bellinger. They've made some trades. We've seen players come in that way. But when was the last time either team actually signed one for big money? Well, define big money. Like, How much are we talking? Nine figures. Nine figures? So 100 or more. 100 or more. Uh trying to think brown they signed brown to the first 100 million dollar deal in history yep um and they took on crawford who and was a hundred million dollar and gonzalez who i think was a hundred million dollar deal although they didn't sign him they traded for him from the red sox right but the, um, the thing um the thing I'm... and they signed grinky to a pretty big deal yep and, and kershaw well kershaw was homegrown though or or at least came up with them um yeah he was drafted by them but but the you know and the i'm glad you mentioned the crawford gonzalez beckett thing but they didn't choose the dodgers they ended up with the dodgers via a trade that they had no control over um so i've heard in the past and maybe this is relevant maybe it's not relevant at all but california is one of the highest income tax states for pro athletes. So I don't know if that's part of it or I, you know, I, I don't know, but I just noticed with those two teams, there's no recent relevant player signing a nine figure deal with, with either team. So 
that's just kind of in the back of my mind when I'm thinking about Harper going to the Dodgers. Did I, did I lose you guys? No. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm just way out in right field. I don't know, but uh, you know, it was just something I thought of. You know, with the Angels, they had the Pujols deal, and um, you know, they kept extending uh, Trout, but um, and then they signed C.J. Wilson, and they got Josh Hamilton, and they made all these other stupid signings. Right. I mean, all it takes, all it takes, is one owner to. You know, you know, offer one of them, you know, a max deal, but it's also, the, you know, in terms of the player having to take it. And you know, like we mentioned with Machado, he wants to be a Yankee, so more than likely that's going to happen. But it's if Machado signs for less money, does that then put more pressure to for Boris and Harper to then sign for more? Because you, in in some ways, both these players are going to dictate the market for when Mookie and Trout, if they get to free agency, because I don't see the Angels re-signing Trout, and I don't see the Red Sox re-signing Mookie. So is, does that dictate how much money they're going to get? Now, will the market be different in the next you know couple years? It very well could. We've seen the market change from year to year due to analytics and others, so it's it's all a crapshoot, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, I think I think Machado has to take the highest deal for for that to play into Mookie's favor. If we're gonna, you know, if Mookie's gonna get a record-breaking deal, but also he's, you know, same same year as Trout, so one of them, you know, potentially a record-breaking deal. I also saw a quote today from, or maybe it wasn't a quote, but Boris had basically. Yeah, it, Boris was quoted as saying he's selling Bryce Harper to owners, not front offices, because he's seeking a record-breaking contract. He wants, and, and Boris has said this for a couple of years now, he wants Bryce Harper to be the highest paid player in the history of the game. So, I mean, that's that's where they're at right now, and I don't know... I don't know if they're going to get it, to be honest with you. I don't think they'll get it from the Nationals. It has to be the Phillies, doesn't it? I mean, really, if he's gonna if he's gonna break the record, I mean, they're the one team that's been on record saying we're willing to spend stupid money. Yeah, it's going to be the Phillies, and 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 I, like I alluded to earlier, I feel strongly that shitty programs like the Phillies and the White Sox have to do that because they aren't going to be able to attract Steve Pierce for one year, six and a half million dollars. Um, or, you know, like the Yankees have continually re-signed Brett Gardner. They have to overpay because they're traditionally losers. And um, so how do you get, how do you get a trans, you know, how do you get a generational talent? You overpay for him, and maybe you got to get stupid about it, which I think was part of the quote from the Phillies owner. So I do, I do think if you're going to see that sort of like crazy deal, it's going to come from one of those two teams. And I do think the Dodgers and the Yankees are willing to spend. I just don't think they feel the need to overdo it, um, especially because with those two teams, again, the Yankees need pitching, and the Dodgers are a pretty good, pro, you know, roster if they do nothing. So, you know, I don't know. 
Yeah, they're getting Seager back, and you know, which is probably why they're not pursuing Machado. But yeah, um, and also another. They're probably going to win the NL West. The Dodgers really don't have any competition. The Giants are more than likely going to rebuild because I can't see them being a contender. You have the D-backs trying to reload and retool at the same time. The Padres, I've stated that they have the best farm system in baseball. They have all the young talent, but unless they put it together and get a starting, you know, starting rotation, they're never going to compete. So, you know, that that whole division is so topsy-turvy. And the Rockies, this is their last year because Nolan Arenado is a free agent, and I don't know if they're going to be able to re-sign him. So that the Dodgers could very well win the division again, and depending on how it you know works with who they face and so on, they could make the World Series for a third year in a row. Now, could they win it? You mean you make it there three times, you would hope that that third time you win it. But then again, the American League has shown now that they are such a more superior league than the National League on multiple fronts. You could be right. Don't count out the Cardinals, though. I think they could potentially, um, you know, if the stars align, you know, make a run for it. Um but yeah, I agree with that. Maybe the Cubs and Anthony Castrovents. I'm not too familiar with him. He actually thinks there's a good chance Harper could go to the Cardinals, and no one's talking about that right now. So I, I don't know if that was him just being bold or, or what. But um, no, he's a respectable guy. No, he knows he's good. Yeah, I see him on a uh, on hot stove and MLB tonight. He's respectable. Yeah, and I've seen him. I've seen him enough as well. the The segment today was he, they were pretending it was a year from now, and he was telling them everything that happened in 2019. And he said, "Car, uh, you know, Harper went to the Cardinals. He picked the Yankees to win the World Series. If that, you know, gives you any delight, um, oh, not really. Yeah, it's not going to happen." I don't think so either, but and I'm I'm you know I have my concerns with the Red Sox as well. You know, if I'm being completely honest. But uh, one last question, uh, in uh, for for you, Chris, if you could go back two months, however long it was, would you would you nix the Paxton deal and try to get Robbie Ray instead? Mm, see, they're both the same player. I know Robbie Ray and Paxson have the same amount of control left. They both are high got you know, high leverage, good stuff lefties that can get a lot of strikeouts, but both have an injury history being able to stay on the mound. Now, I don't know what the offer would have been and what we would have to give up to get Robbie Ray, but I'm fine with what we gave up getting Paxson. I said it before. I'll say it again till the cows come home. What? You know, what? what? Um, Robbie Ray's controllable for four more years. I think Paxson okay, only for years. two. Okay, so it would have been even more that we would have had to given up. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think the D-backs in a lot of ways, they didn't feel the need to give up Robbie Ray unless we were giving up everybody plus our firstborn son. So to give up what we did for Paxton for two years, I think was a deal that you have to make because let's say, for example, the Yankees don't get Paxton, okay? Let's say they wait and they're like, okay, we want to wait to see what happens with Corbin. The Yankees don't get Corbin. He signs with the Nationals. The Mariners 
could very well have traded Paxton to name me a team that needed a pit, you know, a pitcher, whichever team, Houston. or they could have held. Yeah, exactly, Houston. Or they could have held on to him and then said, you know what, Yankees, you didn't get your guy Corbin. You don't like Keiko. We know you don't like him. So we're gonna. We want more from you because now we smell your desperation. Cashman felt the need to do it now, just like he did with Tulo. Get your guy now in the minute. Don't hesitate because if you do, it could bite you in the ass later on. So getting Paxton, I'm fine with. Okay, fair enough. I love Robbie Ray, so maybe there's... Uh, you well, know, I know you do. Yeah, You love him a lot. <laughs> there's some bias, I guess. But All right, uh, any uh, final thoughts, Jeremy, before we wrap? Nope. No? Okay. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. It was good to shake off the rust. And uh, I think we'll probably skip Sunday, but maybe middle of next week, whatever works. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be – I'm pretty wide open. So um, I'm assuming something will probably happen by then. But uh, well, we'll figure it out when the time comes, I guess. But thanks again, and uh, we'll uh, be in touch and – bash each other on text and whatever. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good evening. Have a good night. Have a good night, guys. Episode, I don't even know what episode this was. Probably about 110. Um, but uh, it was good to get back on and uh, talk some baseball. Jeremy and I, uh, you know, had a nice back and forth. So I hope... I hope you guys are entertained by that. I mean, we're we're entertained by it, and you know we love to debate. So, um, and uh, Chris had to play the monkey in the middle, but uh, yes. Yeah, so anyway, uh, like I was just saying, we'll uh, keep an eye on the market. Things are getting pretty hot and heavy. Um, I don't know how much longer the Machado uh, saga can be dragged out, but. Harper is meeting with the Phillies uh, this week, I think, in Vegas. So maybe that market finally picks up some steam, and uh, we'll see. And then as far as the Red Sox go, probably, I mean, hopefully they're, we didn't talk anything about the Red Sox, actually, but, um, you know, hopefully another bullpen arm. And once the arbitration stuff plays out maybe that finally gets dealt with so we'll uh we'll uh keep an eye on that in the next couple of weeks or so nothing uh will be imminent until that stuff does get sorted out so thanks again hope you enjoyed it and we'll uh probably be back next week take care i'm a member of the red sox nation it's a kind of insanity